It is sometime after five o'clock on the West Coast on a Wednesday here in the No Persinium Discord, and that means it's time for the review crew. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, this week. Wait a second. I'm your host this week, Noah Nelson. Yes, that's the proper English grammar. I've been on too many calls today. Uh, we have a uh, a nice selection of folks tonight uh, joining us. I'm going to go LA and then out of LA and then back to LA. Uh, joining us from uh, the, uh, I think in the downtown area, I'm not entirely certain, uh, is our arts editor. Hello. Hi, Laura Hess. Don't, I'm not trying to out where you live, Laura. <laughs> uh, down there in the LBC, outing where he lives. <laughs> I, mean, I did, I did, I did Los Angeles again. Sorry, Patrick, uh, but I'm already there. Uh, down in the LBC uh, is our associate culture editor. Hello, he's Anthony Robinson. And uh, and I have the exact address here of one Patrick McNoah. <laughs> uh, say did hi, I, Patrick. Did, yeah, did I ever give you your social security number too? Uh, I need that. <laughs> I need that for later. Yeah. Okay. Great. I'll make sure. Make sure I get that. Make sure. I get hi, that. everyone. It's Patrick. hello. Uh, and I want to say uh, hello to Sid Benjamin and uh, Nick Sherwin. Hello, Nicholas Sherwin. I've been a while. Um, uh, uh, we, randomness is what you're going to learn here. That's a deep cut for folks who know Nick's work. Um, tonight on the crew, we're going to be talking uh, mystery boxes, mysterious domes, and uh, VR mysteries as well. So that's that's the deal. And we're going to do it, oh my goodness, in that exact order because, um, Anthony, you're kicking us off. Uh, what Ooh. what do you bring into uh, the table this week? Um, from some fabulous folks uh, up in Canada, uh, from a little com- company called um, the uh, Unbound. What says my brain? The Boundless Library. The Boundless Library. I don't even know why I did that. Uh, the Boundless <laughs> Library. Um, sorry, I was like, what? Uh, from this folk called the Boundless Library. Uh, they are uh, ostensibly they were uh, they were created by a uh, by one of the creators of uh, the mysterious package company um mm. but they're kind of like an offshoot um and that creator is kind of left and started his own thing which is this wonderful uh amazing for me i think i found this amazing company um balance library they have a subscription box service which is called um one of the subscription box services they offer um the first one that they came out with uh last year if i'm actually get my years right at this point because it's all one big year um it's a mystery box called a feather in dust and what it is, it is um, the, the conceit. Let me back up. A second. The conceit is for the balanced library is that there's a library that's built purely uh, in imagination. There's a library on a, in another dimension, another location, another world where it is uh, built on uh, those, those things that are come out of the imaginations, those things that haven't been written yet, those things that were only imagined um, in an author or creator's mind, um, sort of like Neil Gaiman esque. Like if you if you ever remember your old Sandman stuff of um, of of the Library of Dreams, right? It's, it's like it's like the Library of Dreams. It's all these things that never actually gotten written, alternate endings, that kind of kind of idea, and it's run by librarians. You know, it's librarians. And one of the things that they decided they wanted to do in this, this universe is that they wanted to share the stories that they have in this boundless library with our world. And in this particular case, um, the story that they wanted to share 
uh, is a story of a, ostensibly, it's a story of a young girl who uh, finds her way in the world during the Great Depression in the time of the Dust Bowl in the Midwest and the U.S. Um, that's what it is on top. And the idea, um, the idea behind it is that when they push these things out into our universe and they push it out into our world, the the story itself changes. It's kind of broken down and it's no longer just like a book. It's not a bound book. What we get is a combination of the ideas that the, the author had. What we get is uh, pieces of fiction. We get pieces of her reality and her actual history, the things that inspired the story itself. And the idea behind this box and the boxes you get is you kind of have to track you track what the author's journey was and see that out and pull it out from what the, the fiction is. And it's the way that this is done. I mean, it's, it's, it seems like it's complicated, but it's, it's really, it's a really simple idea. It's just, it breaks it down and you get this really neat story. You get two stories that kind of parallel each other. And there's a dance in the, the artifacts that you get. So it's, um, basically the, the mailing that we did and this, what I'm talking talk about today is the very first mailing that you get out the box. And it is this box full of, you know, artifacts like you get with most of the mystery boxes. Um, you know, all the different ones you, you can kind of get, it's usually a lot of paperwork. Sometimes you get like an artifact or two. What they have done is giving you artifacts, like actual physical art pieces, like, that you can touch. They give you documents that are aged. Some are literally burnt. Some are, some you have to uh, translate. Um, and, and it's a journey in and of itself. Um, so, uh, I mean, when I first opened up the, the box, when I first got it, you know, they, uh, for our review purposes, they sent us the entire, the entire glom. It's a six month mailer. It, usually you get one a month and um, there's also other assets you can get. You get emails, there's a couple of podcasts that are involved um, that are monthly and you kind of get them as you go through. And the librarian on the other side uh, helps you out to find this journey and to kind of piece out this, this story. And when I opened up this first box, cause I got, you know, like I got six packages all at once and I opened up the first box and my, my head exploded. Cause I'm like, there's no way I can do this like in a week. There's just no way. Um, I mean, this is really something that's designed to be gone through and taking your time and to just enjoy the, enjoy the journey. Um, I mean, there's for, for this first mailing, there's just a lot. It's a, it's a lot. I mean, there's, it, it took me about an hour just to go through all the stuff and kind of figure out what was what and kind of put it out. And that was before I even started looking at, at translating or, uh, before I even, um, looked at translating or before I did little, little digging, um, for things or just to kind of even do a hard reading of any of this stuff. Um, and that was even before I got into like the podcast, there's like podcasts that go with it. Um, so like, I'm going to jump in for a second. Yeah, yeah, please. So how, like how, so now that you've done, cause in your review, you did talk about this, um, how great the, uh, the marriage is between these physical artifacts that feel like they are from that period of time. And then all of the current digital assets, whether it's, uh, what you're doing online, the pod play, et cetera, how much well, I have a couple of questions, but let's start with, how, so how much time total would you say this first shipment or, or this, this first uh, chapter, how long would you say that that took? Um, 
for me kind of going through by myself and take my time and because I have old man eyes now, um, which is really my, my only real complaint with uh, this and actually with a lot of the boxes right now, it's like, you know, every, when you do stuff with newsprint and stuff, it's, it's a little harder, a little harder for older people to read, but, um, uh, going through it, you know, the first time I went through, it, I ended up going through the box twice. I went to the box a full two times. The first time I went through it was just kind of just get a big blast and kind of feel for it. It took me a really seriously going through it and reading it. It took me about two hours. That might not be true for everybody. Some people might actually go through it quickly. Um, but for me, um, you know, it was two hours just to go through the box the first time to really go through it and read it and understand it um, and kind of parse things out. And then I went and listened to the podcast and, and read the things, the podcasts themselves, it's about an hour. There's like a couple of different podcasts and they're about, a, they're about an hour and, and a little bit of more change. So maybe like an hour 15, there's a couple of letters to go through, um, that you get. It is, um, it is kind of fantastic for me. Um, like I, I found it was fantastic. It was full and it took a while. I mean, like once I got through the whole thing, um, it maybe after I went through the second time, maybe about five hours, you know, and I know that doesn't sound like a lot to some people, but you know, that was parsed out over, that was parsed out over, over several days, um, you know, over a while. So like, you know, five hours and I get a little bit of nights and sometimes, um, sometimes I, I did it. So it was just, I, I really you know, I, I had a good time with it. So, I mean, it just took a while. So Anthony, you said about five hours, that was five hours for just chapter one. That was five hours just for chapter one for me. Yeah. And, and you, you've been doing a couple of, you've done, done some more of this so far. Is that kind of like what it's averaging out each time you, you crack through or, um, for, for me? Yeah. I mean, like I say, like part of it is because I like to take my time. I go through stuff again and sometimes you know, it's just, I, I'm weird that way. Like I, I, I want to take my time and admire the art. Um, cause there is, there's true artwork to this too. Um, but also that's, you know, there are some things I looked up, I end up like doing some, my own research <laughs> because it brings up it, it actually manages to bring up other things that I was like, okay, well, what's that about? And they gave you some research and it's a good starting point. And I ended up wanting to find out where things were and, you know, just get an idea in my head. Um, you know, where things were taking place. So I did, you know, a whole bunch of Googling. I, you know, and, I broke and up with Google. And to clarify there then, uh, it sounds like you yourself are doing this by yourself, correct? Which I think also lends to that five-hour time yes. period, right? Because I've, I've done a lot of these experiences and boxed uh, things from home. And if I'm doing them by myself, typically I find that whatever time they say, it's like, oh, this should only take 90 minutes to two hours they're usually expecting the family to have gathered around the table or uh, other people. So I, I, I guess I'm just mentioning all that and clarifying it that that five hour time shouldn't scare off anybody that no, if you're doing this it, by it yourself. Should. That's actually pretty good. Yeah. I mean like that's, that's me by myself, you know, as, as a seat, you know, seasoned veteran of going through some of this stuff and there's people who do it faster. I mean, there are people who are, who are used to, to working well, faster and also like, you know, I mean, it's funny because I was just talking about talking with uh, David Spira, Roomscape artist, earlier in the day, and uh, I was giving him like a, a word of advice for when they play Escape from Gato, which they're going to do in front of a live studio audience for us uh, at Next Stage. Uh, my, my advice to him was just to like 
not not race through it. And he's like, oh yeah, no, we don't we don't we don't try and beat the clock on this stuff anymore on the story ones. We just try and really enjoy it. And I think there's been this grand maturation of the entire escape game genre. It's no longer like how fast can you beat it? It's it's no longer about proving how clever you are by how quick you can do something. This isn't solving Rubik's cubes. You have paid your fee to experience this. And in a room, you only have an hour to play around, right? And in um, with one of these, you have as much time as you want to dive in. Yeah, and and that's the thing is like you can take. I mean, you only get one of these a month. You know, it's a six month process for this particular mm. particular mailing. So, you know, the way I look at it, it's supposed to fill the month. I mean, it's the whole the whole point of the part of the neat thing about this story, if you're sharing this with other people and I did, you know, talk with my wife about it a little bit. Um, if you're sharing it with other people, it takes longer. I mean, that's, that's the funny thing is like, it, it's actually, I think this is a, a kind of story that will take longer if you're discussing it with other people. Um, because you don't, you, you don't want to, um, I mean, that was part of the hard thing was for me writing that review. It's like, I want to talk about it. You can't talk about it. Just, you know, like, I want to talk about it just yet. It's, it's like kind of spoiling the ARG. Um, but it, there's, like any good show or any good piece of artwork, you want to discuss it. And if you're in the middle of it and you can talk about it, you want to talk about it right then and there. Like, uh, like Noah, we've done LARPs together where we end up talking like pseudo in character, out of character at the same time, right? Where we've done a thing. And because, you know, something was really cool that we needed to talk about. Um, it's, I think it's the same way for this, is that if you're doing this around the table with your family and you're kind of going, going to go into it, like if I'd done this with my kids, um, and I think this would have been a, yeah, I, I you know one of my kids is is uh, you know preteen and the other one is um, one of my kids is a preteen and the other one is you know a younger younger kiddo. I think this would have been fully appropriate to to chat with them about, you know. Um, so if we were doing it, they're going to have questions about like what is this? What what was going on in the Ukraine? Because the story kind of starts in the Ukraine, like in early Soviet Russia, uh, you know the the early USSR. Um, you know, this is one of those things that's like okay. Uh, what was going on in Ukraine at that time? What was happening? You know, what was what were, you know what was the Bolshevik revolution? What was going on wow. in the U.S.? I mean, like that—that's where the story. You know, without giving too much away, that's where the story takes you. It starts. You know, it starts. The story itself kind of you know plops down, but and that's it, kind it of refreshing from- in that way because I feel like so many of even even like in room escape rooms things and stuff like that they very much are like oh we're set in this time period but very rarely do you need to know anything or be aware of what happens like we're just we're just using this as a backdrop but to really embrace that that's a really kind of refreshing idea and very exciting to hear about that yeah and that and that's i think that's that's the really cool thing about it is that um it it very much um it very much is, wants you to, to be part of it. it. Wants you to, you know, it, it wants to put you in a place where your 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 magic circle is not, um, you know, like when when it, when you when you when you go when you go to do this one, like the magic circle is not about you being in, uh, you know, in the time and place. You are in your you're in the real world, but it very much does pull you in in, in into a it's kind of nebulous. Um, I have a question about that. So that's another thing that um, 
Anthony, did you do Arcana? Gosh, this was now a year and a half ago. No, I did not. Okay, so but Arcana, what was interesting as you're talking about these, you know, these beautiful artifacts that where you have these these tangible items, and they're again set as um, as though they're uh, in that period, and but then you're going to listen to these podcasts and you're you're um, using the internet to do this additional research. One of the things that I thought was so great about Arcana is how much it utilized these different historical, I mean, real world historical events and people, but it was set in present day. So as then you're turning to your laptop to do your additional research and to dive, and, and you, you could dive even further um, than they had set it up so well, but then you could even go further and further. And so there was no breaking of the... Um, uh, it doesn't pull you out the world. Yeah, right. Yeah. It didn't pull. So, but this sounds like it's, re, it's almost the reverse because you are starting, you're launching in this Dust Bowl era. And then, so you didn't feel like there was a disconnect there that it wasn't problematic for you at all. Well, no, I mean, like what it, what it is, is that, and like I say, it, it, think of it this way. Somebody hands you a book, right? And the book jumps around. You don't jump around, but the book jumps around. This is that same kind of idea. It's like, okay, you are you being given a book but it's it is a postmodern book if you would you know like right it is, okay it's it been dismantled so like i say when you open up this box there's stuff that's from all over there's stuff from you know there's stuff that's in cyrillic there's stuff that's in english there's there's stuff you know that's that's written in the margins there's there's things all over and the story itself um when you pull it out the box it's you know it's kind of in an order and i'm assuming that they put it in here in the specific order to look at it but you know how things go when you get these boxes. You pull things out, you move them around. I try to keep them in, in this order as much as I can. But as you go through this particular box, there are some things that are out of you know timeline order um, that you don't find until you get really dig into it. Um, but when you when you're going through what the story is, you know, and as you get the the digital pieces it puts it in an order and it gives it context so that you go, okay, well we started here and it goes to another place and it goes to another place. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it is for me, it's just refreshing to be able to go, okay, I will follow you in that world, but I'm not in that world. So when I turn to my computer to do my own research or, you know, if I want to look up something, you know, cause like I literally, one of the things that you're trying to track where, where she's going, um, you know, I went to Google Maps a whole bunch. I was like, oh, Google Maps, see if I can find this place. Um, and you find things that are close to it or not necessarily. So there's this neat blurring of of, of reality and fiction for you um, that doesn't bring you out the world when you have to actually bring in modern stuff. Great. And, okay. And I, think, I, I think that's and I, I think that's the, the core of what you're getting at. It's like it's, it doesn't pull, it doesn't pull you out because it never breaks. It doesn't break. It doesn't break the game, as it were, for you to to like pick out your phone and, and like look something up. Um, and in fact, All right. that's your advantage to be able to do. All right. Well, a feather in dust. We're gonna have you on again, possibly at the conclusion of your cycle, to see if you still feel the same way once you've gone through, <laughs> all of it, yeah. you know, all thirty hours of it. <laughs> the rate you're going, yeah. and also a good reminder that uh, ARGs and mystery boxes. One of the few times when the phrase uh, "did my own research" uh, does not elicit uh, fear, anxiety, <laughs> and death. Uh, so. Um, <laughs> If only, if only we could get more people to channel their own research into these forms and not some of the others. Um, there's, there's a, there's a story about the first ARG and, uh, and, uh, 
that goes along with that story. But uh, we'll do that on another show. Um, Laura, uh, turning to you now, uh, you, uh, you, you, I guess staying here in, in, in LA, mm-hmm. um, you, uh, you went to, uh, the arts district, uh, this, uh, recently and, mm-hmm. uh, and entered inside, uh, a mystery of, uh, of your own. If you will. <laughs> tell us about it, tell, tell us about your latest adventures. Yes. Yeah, so this is Wisdom LA. Um, Wisdom LA is in, as Noah mentioned, downtown Los Angeles in the Arts District, and it is a 24,000 square foot theme park. And the anchor... Okay, okay, okay. Is that how they... Do they they describe themselves as a theme park? Um, They describe themselves as... They describe themselves as LA's first and largest immersive art and music dome park. Dome park. Okay, dome park... The the yes the court recognizes dome. Park. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now let me tell you about resizing these JPEGs. No, um, but yes, the court the court that was that was some dark humor right there. I'm sorry, that was that was inappropriate. Um, I'm in a mood about certain things. Uh, yes, the court recognizes dome park though. I'm gonna I'm gonna strike theme park from the record. yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. And so the the anchor is there's five geodesic domes. These are of varying sizes. And then there are um, art installations, sometimes within the dome. Um, there are uh, food trucks. Um, so the reason why I'm referencing theme park or utilizing theme park is that it this feels like, um, well, there's a lot of things that this feels like, but this feels like, if you will, kind of a, um, a mini festival. So there's like, mm. you know, um, astroturf there's food trucks um there's actually these trucks where you can rent costumes or you can actually purchase costumes jewelry crystals vape pens um there's a vip section but the the main purpose and attraction and programming is within these five geodesic domes so this feels like they're they're going for kind of a, a mini coachella mini burning man and the core programming is um, this projection mapping within the domes. Yeah. Almost, almost like they've set up like a burning man camp at the arts district. That was like yes. a dome burning man camp, but then like decided to like, you know, monetize said burning man camp. Exactly. Right. Okay. So, um, right now the, um, there is a main show called Mystic Universe, um, and that is what fills most of the domes. That is what most people, I would assume, are buying tickets for. I mean, that is the core programming. There's also an add-on special programming that is, um, uh, this is currently, it's a Beatles tribute, and it's emphasizing the psychedelic era of the Beatles. And they have a cover band called Brit Beat. And so this is kind of a 360 immersive domed concert experience, but that's an add-on. So the core experience that I went to is called Mystic Universe. And there are a couple of artists that have actually been featured at Burning Man, Coachella, and Art Tech House. And um, the I believe the total runtime for all of the domed content is about 90 minutes. And you you once you enter, and I will say for anyone who is concerned about COVID protocols, do not go to this. Mm. Um, I mean, that, that actually is my very candid recommendation. I, they do have plenty of signage saying 
vaccination is required to enter, masks are required to enter, masks must be worn at all times. Um, and there is a there is food there. So and there is an outdoor kind of, you know, eating area. But masks are to be worn inside the domes. None of this was enforced. I actually volunteered my vaccination um, card when checking in. I said, you know, would you like to see that? Because it was not requested. Mm. It is so lax that um, for some people with their comfort level, if they're immunocompromised, et cetera, um, I, that is one thing that I do think that people need to know going into this. Well, so, that's, that's that's Mondo disappointing. I mean, I know it's it's a burden on you know businesses to add checking vax cards if they are not already a bar that checks IDs right mm-hmm. they're, they're set up for that. Um, but uh, oh gosh, yeah, like don't 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 need uh, don't need another surge. Just never want to see another surge again. Uh, frustrating. Right. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a little, um, it's a little strange. I did see masks handed out when people checked in, but the person who actually uh, verified my ticket, um, her mask was hanging from, you know, one ear. I mean, it's just that kind of stuff where it's like, I don't really, um, I think a lot of it is up. It's just not enforced is what I can say. Uh, the night that I was there. Um, how so, how how busy was it the night you were there? Yeah, so I went on a Friday night, and um, I, it really was I, it was a very interesting crowd. Um, initially, I did not understand that there was a a dome where you could rent costuming, and I thought that maybe I missed something around like. Um, I, you know, I was like, what, what do I not know about? Like what holidays today that I'm unaware of? Like what, you know, is there like a witchy holiday that I'm not aware of? Because there were people walking around in different uh, costumes or, you know, accessories, like some, you know, kind of uh, crystal headdress action, Um, lots of flowing garments. So there were people that were doing that. And um, I was there, I would say, you know, kind of prime time. I believe the park closes at 10. And I was there from like, um, you know, eight to 10. And um, it, it wasn't, there were people mingling through, but in terms of what I would anticipate capacity is, it wasn't, um, it was a fraction of that. Right. So what were they were, were they there to see the add-on show or were they there to see the main stuff? Because like I, I understand like if there's like a concert, there being people and maybe dressing up for the psychedelic concert, but was that going on that night or that another? Uh, I, mean, I believe it does go on every night. It was okay. not um I don't know exactly what time that was running. Gotcha. But um I don't think that people were there for that. I think people huh. were mostly because the when I as I moved between the domes, I you know, um I didn't do it in a sort of linear progression. I kept kind of moving back and forth and, and hopscotching. And so I would uh, see some people and I would see them later again in a different dome. So I felt like there was a lot of, we were crisscrossing paths and I feel like I saw a lot of the same people uh, over time throughout the night. So it, it just didn't, it seemed like the folks that were there were mostly there for Mystic Universe. Okay. And I'm sorry, I have a really stupid 
practical questions. So we keep saying just dome. Mm-hmm. Is everything happening under the same dome or is there a dome and there's littler domes or like littler defined spaces for all of these different uh, events and things to happen? Yeah, it's a great question. There's there's five domes total, but there are even within those five domes, there are sort of like baby domes. There are kind of sort of a, you know, um, nesting doll of, of, of domage. Um, and so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard, I heard they like domes. So they put a dome. In. <laughs> so, I mean, you do have, uh, I think what's so interesting about this is that, um, so just to uh, drill down for a moment on Patrick's question. So within a dome, you would go in and, um, there's a, a large dome that had a show called Fractal Time. And this was actually my favorite. I'm familiar with this artist. I'm a fan of his. His name is Julius Horstius, and he's a Dutch digital artist. And um, this to me, what, and it, it's actually won awards. Um, and that's his work has been featured at Art Tech House. And so um, another thing to note, I mean, it is so intense at times that for anyone who does have motion sickness issues that they've noticed, like in VR, for example, um, you are lying on your back, you know, kind of beanbag uh, situation. And um, it can get very, very intense. And there were a couple of times I did need to close my eyes because the movement was so either it was so fast mm. or um almost sort of like strobe-like. Um, there's no actual strobing, but um, so just to note that, so the domes do, it is totally immersive when you're lying on your back, you do feel there's no uh, line in your periphery. You feel completely immersed in this. And, um, and I was, it's been a while since I've gone to a domed experience. And I will say that t- on the tech side, um, it looked absolutely beautiful. Hmm. It, it was so crisp. There was so much texture. And I'm specifically citing the um, the Fractal Time show for this. But there was so much texture. There was so much detail. It was so crisp. I thought that the, the, the projection mapping, the animation was just incredible. And uh, I mean, the saturation of the colors, everything, all of that was really wonderful. And then when Laura, you go for a second, you said, you said the projection mapping were they were they mapping things out onto surfaces that weren't just the no. dome surface? Okay, so just the projection, the image. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, yes. Because 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 you know we, we if we talk about if we talk about like projecting onto a dome, full dome, half dome experiences, like that's one thing. And I gotta admit, doesn't move my needle all that much. Uh, although I have I have over the years seen a few pieces where I'm like, wow. And there was a there was like a virtual one for Burning Man, for Virtual Burning Man this year, where I was like, there's some really good pieces in here. Like I was appreciating it. But when you start talking projection mapping and you start talking about putting it on surfaces that are not just flat, I get very excited because <laughs> it's, right. it's, 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 it's a different game entirely. It totally is. And I, to be fair, I don't know. So for that particular dome in that show, it was just the dome. I don't think there was projection mapping in other domes, but I'm not completely sure. Um, I didn't see any. I, I saw, I mean, there's a number of different elements that they're incorporating, but in terms of the projection, yes, it's just, as far as I saw, it's just on the dome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I will say that that part was fantastic. Um, and then in some of these smaller domes with different artists, and then they have the kind of nested dome. And then the, in the perimeter, there will be um, installation art, uh, these different sort of um, 
little like almost like banquettes sort of, although without any seating, um, these little like grottos is probably a better term. And these different little immersive spaces, uh, UV light, you know, very, very color driven. Um, I mean, these are more like Instagrammable moments, which is, I believe, how they're presented. I mean, how they're promoted. And it's just, um, I, I just feel like even with Fractal Time, which, like I said, is my was my favorite piece of the whole presentation, um, it's incredible to me how the, specifically the domed um, programming, like, I do think that the tech has really evolved. And yet, whether it's these kind of side works of the installation art or it's the domed experiences, we're just missing so much on the narrative side. And I got really excited even in fractal time when I, th I thought there was a specific narrative that was developing. And then I realized at a certain point, and it doesn't negate the whole thing, but I was like, Oh, I completely, uh, you know, misunderstood that. Or I was, um, you know, attaching this narrative. It's, it's not there. I was constructing it. And there was a letdown at that moment because my investment evaporated to a degree. And, and, and that one was the one that I was the most invested in. And mm. so with these other experiences, you, it, we just really haven't evolved on the narrative side, in my opinion, yeah. from the kind of just psychedelic focusing on the tech, the narrative is not supporting the tech. Um, in the way that I think it could. Well, and and even stepping aside from you know the focus on you know, narrative as 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 a as a catch-all for expressing meaning, right? Mm -hmm. Like the the times when dome work has moved me, it's been very much the vibe of like a tone poem, right? Like it might be music, it might be a music video, and and they they can get into these sort of rhythms. But I will also cop to the fact that, you know, I've been to see some collections of of dome work and like in like a 30 or 40 minute cycle of shorts, maybe one thing has really taken even taken advantage of the concept of a dome. Right. And the rest of it feels like watching a screensaver from 1998. <laughs> you know, like it just I'm like, why are we paying money to watch a screensaver? And and there's a lot of bad dome work. And it's sad because once in a while you will see something that is that is kind of really incredible and creates that sense of presence of being somewhere else, even though you're just watching these projections. And and I've seen that work here in Los Angeles. I've seen both of that kind of work here in Los Angeles, oftentimes in like the same building. And I'm I'm so sad to say how much of it is um, not up to snuff, particularly because, you know, I mean, MGM is in the middle of building a big dome out in Vegas, mm -hmm. right? And there's there's a lot of motion uh, towards doing interesting, towards doing large scale with this technology. I think that's what people on the business side look at this and say, oh, hey, Immersive media is a thing, but how do we how do we do that at scale without having to give everyone a headset? Or how do we do that at scale, you know, for the people who don't want to put on a headset? Right. And they go, oh, dome, 
but it's to really create something that you know starts to feel like a transportive experience requires thinking so radically different about what it is you're trying to make art-wise and so much of this still feels like it's oh well you know we could do this at a planetarium like here's right. a planetarium show exactly you yep know? yeah i think that's exactly right and i don't um I, I yeah again i don't have a problem with um like again, fractal time, it's not, it's, it's in the name. I mean, there's a lot of fractal art, um, but at a certain point, um, if you're not anchored by, again, some sort of narrative or how is this expanding your perspective on, um, just some sort of theme, some sort yeah. of story. Yeah. Then it just, it, after a period of time, it, it just, um, I think the screen, I think that's why your screensaver comparison <laughs> is so apt. You just, you know, because then why are you continuing to, I mean, it's, it's certainly very cool. The movement's cool. And the, again, the texture, the detail was beautiful, but it just, um, and especially when you have, you know, then other things that are creeping into your mind, whether it's again, the COVID protocol issue, or mm. I will say that the crowd was, um, at least the night that I was there, there were people that were, you know, they're kind of chit chatting, um, in the dome. Um, mm. and that's distracting. And, um, it, it just kind of felt like no one was very present. Well, it, it kind of sounds like it wasn't really curated, in the sense of what the audience should be doing. There was no like guideposts or signposting or like not examples of what there was no onboarding in the sense. It's like you walk into the dome and you go there. Cause like at a planetarium, at least like you understand there's part of that, of course, is there's the understanding of you're going to go and you're going to imagine looking up at the stars and everyone has a seat and things like that, but it, it's still pretty set up. They, it, they do hold your hand and guide you through that experience to have some of those kind of awe inspiring moments, making the most of the dome where here it just sounds like people could wander in. And if they decided to look up, they could, but it sounds like they probably weren't. Yeah, yeah, Laura, did, was there, were there published times of like, you know, the show is starting here and like, you know, no, no entry. Cause when I've been to wisdom, my experience was you could just wander in whenever you wanted to catch the loop and just leave when you wanted to or vice versa. Right. So uh, it is the latter. It still is that you can yeah. just kind of wander freely. And I do think that you do, it's just, it's spectacle. There's no substance really with the, the way to Patrick's point, like how this is curated. I actually think that, um, I, I think that I would go so far as to say that attendees, they didn't really know why they were there. You know, it, it's, I, I think it's sort of a, a lot of, um, I think the programming and the participants are all kind of wandering a bit blind together. It's, mm. it, there's a lack of clarity around what this experience, uh, you know, why you're going to this experience. I mean, there's some incredible language um, on the Wisdom website about how this is, um, it says, uh, for the first time in the history of mankind, 
And with the assistance of computer graphics and animation, we can see the ideas of ancient sages embodied in the works of modern artists. And I was like, oh boy, that is, um, that is a large statement. And um, I don't know that anyone- a check with a lot of zeros on it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. So I, don't, I don't know that anyone on their Friday night is really thinking like, I, <laughs> I, my goal for the first time in the history of mankind is to, so I, I feel like there, there's a lot of cross paths or, or, or there's, um, you know, not cross paths. I mean, I feel like there's like a lot of wandering around, like, again, who is this for and, and why would people be motivated to come to this other than it's a like mini Coachella. And and I think that's the thing. I think that these domed experiences, again, if you're going to create this kind of like mini park and you're taking it out of the festival environment and which has a captive audience, what, mm. you know, where, where then is, if the, if the main draw at Coachella is different headlining bands and the fact that you get to see them all in one weekend, and then you do these things in between, but then if there isn't the actual music programming and it's just the domed experiences and it's all not chill a room, no audience, rave. Yeah. All exactly. chill room. Yeah. It's, no it's, rave. it's rave. I mean, when yeah. back in my, back in my club days, we, we you know, on the cards when, when we used to hand out, yeah, we used to hand out you know, cards on, on Hollywood Boulevard, you know, <laughs> like we didn't have, we didn't have MySpace. We had, we had little printed cards. It, it would say DJ, you know, DJ X visuals by, you know, by wisdom. It would actually say visual, you know, it would tell you who the artist was. So, I mean, all I'm hearing from this is like, if I go to this, it's like, I, I better, you know, like, you know, somebody better bring some edibles. Otherwise, yeah, right, be, right. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, that also might be that may therein like, may lie the answer, right? It, it may just be like, hey, do you want to be somewhere other than your house while you're tripping balls? Come on down, <laughs> come on I mean, down. It, it very, it very or or desperate like to trip balls anywhere but your home. <laughs> oh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> right? You know, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a there's that, and like, and and we, yeah. I mean, I. I that is almost certainly very much part of like, you know, the value proposition, if you will. Right. And, and I just think of, I think of all the things that could be done and, and granted some of the things I think of that could be done start to get into the category of difficult to clean. Uh, don't take it that way, Anthony. No, I know your brain's going, not like that. <laughs> but I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about like, there was like a, I can't remember if it was a dome, but there was, there was this like sensory thing at the at the Exploratorium in San Francisco ages ago. It was actually designed by August Coppola, um, who is Francis Ford Coppola's brother, um, who is who's passed away some time ago. Uh, but they it was like it might have been called the Experience Dome. I can't remember. Yeah, look it up. Look up August Coppola and look up Exploratorium, and you'll you'll get you'll get to the thing. But there was this tactile dome. That's what it was called. And so it was that there was just all of these tactile things in it. Right. And so it wasn't about projections. It was about, you know, touching and feeling and, and, you know, like a furry wall and all that sort of stuff. And I know, you know, we're in COVID time still. And uh, the last thing I really want is like some big giant, you know, um, uh, plush you know wookie rug for everyone to be rolling around in uh either uh either uh enhanced or unenhanced by chemical substances while they're watching like you know fractal geometry play out into odd forms uh but 
I kind of do want there to be a place one day when it's a little bit safer where there's a big Wookiee shag rug and like, you know, giant Warshire trees, like fractals going on above us with some thematicness to it, right? Because I think, Laura, your your point about the story thing, right? I think a clear, a theme that reveals itself through the visual art uh, that, and that develops and doesn't just stay, um, you know, on a, on a level, even if that development is cyclical, you know, mm-hmm. just something that feels like it's hitting a rhythm of life. Yes. You know? Yep. Yeah. Totally agree. All right. Um, well, that's, that's wisdom right now. What's, uh, what, who's the artist again that, that is impressive? That, yeah. Um, Julius Horstius is his okay. name. Um, right. Dutch artist. And and who knows? Maybe those concerts, uh, the concerts could be really cool because uh, I know they're set up for that. And uh, and maybe that's the maybe that's the killer app of wisdom is uh, is a big psychedelic Beatles tribute. Event. Yeah, I would um, um, I would encourage people. To, I found some video that was featured online. Mm. Um, I don't think that's the answer. Um, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there you go. That's that's the wisdom. That should be put on the poster. <laughs> I don't think that's the answer. Or with the full ellipses. I saw on some video ellipses online. Ellipses. I don't think that's the answer. Period. Lotus. No presenting. <laughs> I think I'll see that show. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's make t-shirts. Let's make yeah. t-shirts. Let's make t-shirts. There we go. That's that's now the episode title. Let's make t-shirts. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pivot us out of this because we've been we've been we've been uh, we've been uh, hotboxing this dome for too long. Uh, Patrick, uh, take us take us to a different type of virtual experience. Yeah. Uh, inspired. Slash more, I guess, jealous of your experience last time, Noah, doing the meta movie. I literally blew dust off my Oculus Quest and flipped through the catalog of games that I bought and or things. Excuse, I was excuse me, to. your meta quest. Got to get oh the branding right. God. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 Mark, Mark, I'm really sorry, man. I, I did you bad just then. I apologize. Your engagement so rates just credit. dropped. <laughs> No one, no one's. No, when, when you need to post a GoFundMe, no one's going to see it because Mark's mad at you. So. <laughs> oh God, I just invented our dystopian future. Sorry, Patrick. Yes, you dusted off. You dusted off your quest. Yes, and I uh, picked out Sam and Max. This time it's virtual. And I guess before I talk into this, do do we think the kids even know who Sam and Max are? <laughs> like, I, I know Noah. You do. I bet. I bet Anthony, you no. have an idea. But Laura, do you know who Sam and Max are? No. No, no Anthony, no, I, I thought the comics element you might know. But so Sam and Max are this anthropomorphic uh, detective private investigator couple. Sam is a dog and Max is a oh, rabbit. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sam and oh. Max. I was like, Sam and Max? I was like, my, my brain immediately went to Macintoshes. I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, no, 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 my, no. My brain went to Sam and Max, like like a giant, like a giant lox. Like a fish burger? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. I was like a salmon colored Macintosh. Like, no, but Sam and Max. Yes. I do, yes. I know. I know exactly. All right. Yeah. So for Laura. Okay. And- yes. Yeah, no. I, and I, for I, everyone else who's listening, because like you know, not yeah, everyone listening to is like a Gen people. X uh, nerd. 
Yeah, because so they're they're this private investigator. So technically the freelance police, they work out of New York and they solve all sorts of goofy crimes. As I mentioned, this is based off a comic book, which also I've never held a copy of in my life, nor have I seen one in the wild. So but it ran, it was like a, a it was published for a decade and they go around solving goofy crimes. It's a very dry humor experience. Um, they're very I don't want to say witty, but they're witty, but they're dry in the sense that everything is, you know, very kind of monotone, but it's very intellectual. It's a very highbrow comedy that they're always doing, very kind of almost vaudevillian without props. Like, it's like that kind of a level comedy as they solve their cases and things like that. And they've had a kind of long history of being maybe even pioneers in video game spaces they've had some actually really well received games but um and from that potentially that's why they now find themselves in their virtual reality experience where you are a recent adductee into the freelance police and essentially you're getting training on the fly or back at the obstacle course that they have set up at a, like a defunct amusement park. And you are running around listening to the commentary of them bicker, both playfully and to a point of both narrative and things like that. As you, you know, shoot at monsters, you solve some light puzzles that are pretty prescriptive, but challenging nevertheless, and some physical dexterity that requires you to do some actually at the end quite death defined stunts. Hmm. Um, in that sense, what I really liked about this is that, you know, if you're a fan of a Vader immortal or more of those immersive theatrical experience where it's very much you're in a movie, you're in experience, a lot of Sam and Max is a lot of fun because mm. I had so much fun at the end where the evil monster, slight spoilers, but the evil monster is trying to break through to this reality. And I, at one point, am climbing, you know, using my arms, climbing across the bottom of a crane. My feet are dangling below me. Uh, the streets of Chicago's are stories down below like if i fall i fall to my death and i'm like huffing and puffing and trying to reach the crane release so we can try to stop this baddie there's a lot of really cool like environments and cinematic set pieces that's a lot of fun oh that sounds great yeah and it's kind of cool had you had you played a lot of like the Sam and Max uh either either the old LucasArts games or any of the stuff that uh Telltale put out back in the day? No, I have not. My experience oh, wow. with them is only through the cartoon. Um a oh, very short lived cartoon. cartoon. Yeah. Uh, I think it was on Fox. Yeah. When Fox was desperate to air any cartoon programming on Saturday mornings. Yeah, they, and, they ran out of X Men and they they went to Sam and Max, you know. Yeah. Um it's uh yeah it's it's kind of funny because like sam and max has this long pedigree in gaming and it it, it kind of warms my heart even though like i've never i so because i didn't have a pc when i was a kid i i never 
did all the LucasArts games, I would just read computer games, uh, video games, and computer entertainment magazine, which was like the, the really like wordy nerdy video game magazine. So that explains everything. Like I wasn't a game pro kid or an EGM. I was reading VG and CE and being like, Oh, what, what's, what's the big editorial about the tech thing? You know, when I was like <laughs> nine, like, oh, I want to know more about the industry. Uh, cause that's who I've always freaking been. Um, and Sam and Max was, uh, one of the franchises that came out of Lucasfilm uh, or LucasArts, my God, 10 demerits. I have to burn one of my brogues <laughs> now. Um, uh, after like uh, Secret of Monkey Island. So I was always admiring all this stuff from afar. And then in college, tried to play them and like just did not enjoy any of them in college. I was like, this is too much guesswork. So I guess, oh, is there a lot of, are there a lot of puzzles where you just have to like try and guess what the designer was thinking? Because then there would be a truly authentic uh, classic adventure game experience. No, no. In that Thank sense, God. That, like, there, there are, there are some kind of, you know, stop and pause and think puzzles, but once, you know, you take the long enough sense it does figure it out. There are a few puzzles that I do think are for lack of a better word, poorly designed in the sense of like, I don't know without, I had to look one up. Cause I'm like, I like, I know it has something to do with words. I'm also a person who cannot do word puzzles mm. uh, in the sense of like, you know, identifying letters or picking up on things. I get very flustered with that. That's me personally. So I, I will bring that too, but to, to your point, I think, and that's why I'm, I'm glad you brought up and talked about their kind of gaming pedigree because I'm a little confused who this game is for, because also in that sense, this game came out in July of this year. And I think what was really special about a lot of those uh, old adventure games that Sam and Max were in was that they were at the forefront. They were indie games. They were outside of the AAA stuff. They were exploring and trying to do more with the video game structure than any other thing had done before. So they're, they're pioneers in that sense, but here it's like, there are a lot of these uh, theatrical cinematic experiences on VR now, you know, like it's, it's in many ways, it's growing. I think more and more um, there's more options, right? And then right. a lot of the stuff keeps getting mentioned or floats to the top. And they're coming in kind of on the the second cycle with the quest two here. You can play yeah. it on this on a quest one, but it does seem at times a, a little bit too late, you know? I mean, um, do we, but are there all that many of them? I mean, like, I guess, I guess there's like, there's Wraith and there's this and there's Vader immortal. And so the room had that vibe. Um, I, I guess it is kind of a healthy genre. That would actually be really great. We should sit down sometime and just kind of like go through the big list of this exact genre because it is my favorite, you know? Yeah, like being in the heart and the thick of it and like, you know, sitting in the backseat of the car as the, as the buildings go by or in one point the like microverse that you're traversing. And there's all the sorts of shenanigans is really cool. And I, I did, and I took a risk on this game because it's Sam and Max, because I had seen that cartoon. I had been aware of all of the other things they're doing. But to that point, I know, Laura, I, I believe you have a headset. Like, I'm sure you've maybe seen this game. It's flashed up up there. But 
what are the chances that you would have before this moment just been like, oh, there's a dog and a, a rabbit with guns and there's a badge <laughs> and there's an explosion. I'm going to take a chance on this. <laughs> I don't recall. Um, I, maybe it did pop up. I don't recall it ever popping up, but, but right. I, I have not had that conscious thought of here's a dog and a rabbit with guns and maybe I want to dive in. In the gunplay, there's like hardly any gunplay in that sense. So it's almost like they're trying to lure you in with the image. But like to know, to your point, I think a lot of people listening who have a quest and are like you and I who enjoy these, they're going to get a lot out of this. I, uh, I do think there are some of the others we've mentioned are a little more finely crafted, a little more engaging um, for sure, because there's like the because also the humor is very dated in the sense of its styling you know this is like one could almost go at certain points oh yeah like i I could imagine there's some younger listeners out there who might go like oh yeah these are the kind of jokes my dad makes with his uncle with his brother and stuff my uncle you know um and maybe they'll enjoy that and that's fantastic to hear and i'm really excited for that but I, i would never say personally while i was amused constantly I never laughed out loud. I never chuckled. Um, I, you know, I occasionally smiled and it was all really well done, but it did have like a feeling of a yesteryear sense of humor to it. And I, I guess I want to tell people, and that's why I'm kind of diving into that. That said, I will say there's actually a few really cool technical things this game does. Um, because at one point in your training through the uh, defunct amusement park, they have you do a, uh, escape room basically you've got to you got to find three keys and solve puzzles to get yourself out and i had started doing it but dinner time rolled around so i had to stop and i knew all right fine i'll just i'll just redo the puzzles i know where now several of the things are and do that and then when i turned the game back on and logged in things were actually in different places the the word puzzle it was actually different words. It wasn't the same set of four words to use to help solve it. It was a four, four different ones. Uh, a toolbox I found was in a different place. A screwdriver that I found in a closet was now hidden in the microwave. So there's this really cool like replayability to it in the sense that like you could play this game today and then 10 years from now you could unearth it and you could still engage with some of the those difficulties. Additionally, at one point, unfortunately, uh, Sam's audio cut out. I heard every all the other dialogue tracks worked perfectly fine, but Sam's wasn't in the current like stage or environment we were in. And I switched on to subtitles, and I- I've never played a game with subtitles. Um, and it was really cool because they had a they had a little photo of the the character's face next to the text as it was you know oh. appearing so like so it wasn't like you had to like see the um the name you saw the face which i felt like oh that's really good for maybe with people who ha- have trouble reading or it's just one less thing that you could you can associate the dialogue through a face instead yeah well i mean the the very idea any time that uh, a game maker or an app maker you know makes a nod towards accessibility, you often find that has benefits that, you know, ripple out for everybody, mm-hmm. right? And this is something, this has been like a struggle in the games industry, 
because of the accessibility um, discussion gets tied up into like the difficulty, you know, discussion, you know, like, are you playing the game? Like the way you're really supposed to be playing it. Right. This kind of very, you know, macho sense. It's like with the whole, like, well, you know, I have the fastest time in this escape room. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. Like this hyper competitive thing, as opposed to, Hey, you know, when we, when we create some accessibility tools, you know, maybe you don't need them, but maybe you find yourself liking them or maybe you find yourself wanting that because i could instantly think about that that's such a cool way to do it you know if someone's got difficulty hearing but could read but you know seeing the the character face it also feels very friendly you know it's like oh you have a sense of who it is who's doing it without it without it uh you know lacking style and that i'm sure it also feels very comic booky at the end of the day that there's yeah, like you know yeah the font is definitely just not like sometimes yeah. no newman role moment. it's the font that when you start the game when you when if you went to the their website or right now it's that salmon max type font yeah so that also helps build in and give that throwback to the comic stuff for sure and really made it more engaging in that way too because i i know uh noah you're a gamer and i know anthony you are i i've had this problem in modern games when like it's a really smart design when you're walking around in your with your character and you walk away from the avatar who's talking. Back in the day, that person, their volume just kept coming at the same level. But if you walk away or they start walking ahead of you, their vo- their volume gets lowered. So it's like, I, I can't hear. I'm missing incidental dialogue. So this is like another kind of great way to like help keep track of who's speaking what, especially if you, not in Sam and Max, everyone have very distinct voices, but in other genres, it would be, I think, really cool and helpful. Um, Any, yeah, it's a a really fun game. I think a, a lot of people who love immersive and enjoy these more cinematic VR experience are gonna get a lot out of it. I do say, you know, like I did feel like the obstacle course stuff was there for a little bit video game padding, you know, Mm. in the sense of like, here's another, you basically go through three parts of training and then within each part, there's three different like courses you have to do. And there's always an obstacle course where you're like, you're climbing, you're gliding, you're throwing things, you're doing things like that. So it 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 got a little re- the by the time I did it the third time, I was like, okay, I've I've climbed enough in this obstacle course. I I, I get it. You want to make sure I'm really good at climbing in this game. I appreciate that. But uh I'd rather frankly just even just sit in the car and listen to the radio with my fellow detectives and <laughs> just just like huff and puff i'll play beat saber if i want to like bash around and hit things i'll i'll do i'll you know I'll, I'll do the climb or something like that i don't necessarily need that to be a majority of the gameplay here yeah once again it's uh sam and max what's the subtitle in this one because that's this their... time it's virtual this time it's virtual uh, and, and it's, it's on the oculus how much is it it's uh $29.99 and it I know it is also available on Steam as well. Excellent. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, you know, for those for those who may be looking for bargains, you know, we are gonna be entering into you know the Black Friday Cyber Monday zone pretty soon. So uh wouldn't be surprised if some stuff doesn't uh come down a little bit in price. Uh, and if you're if you're looking for 
these cinematic adventures. Uh, and if you play this and you really dig it, let us know. Uh, we're, we're always uh, looking for feedback. All right. Uh, we are a little over an hour into this, uh, and we've kind of wrapped all through. Uh, this week, spoiler alert, none of what you just heard is going to be the pick of the week. The pick <laughs> of the week has been recorded uh, elsewhere and elsewhen. Uh, what? Yes, we did it differently this time. Uh, you will get to hear that uh, on the podcast uh, on Friday. And then uh, Patrick will uh, take our offerings uh, to the uh, pick of the week gods and put it up on Monday over at everythingimmersive.com, which is how we do things now. Um, anybody got any last parting thoughts before we uh, shut down the old pod for the week? I mean, probably people should vote on our t-shirts. We should actually <laughs> do that. Okay. No, I have I have a different plan. I'll share you what the plan on 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 garb and merch is going to be. You're gonna <laughs> love it. Okay. Uh, on that note, that um, mostly for us, but maybe maybe some premium level stuff. Uh, seriously, I have a plan. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll talk right afterwards. Okay. Uh, until next time, uh, for Patrick and Laura and Anthony. Uh, this is Noah Nelson and. Uh, We'll catch you next week in the feed.